This week on the Drew Goodman Podcast with Julie Brownman. Coronavirus. What's the plan for baseball? So what they're going to do is they're going to look at places that other venues where the virus is not as rampant to go there when that team is away or go back to the spring training in Arizona. This is going to be worse before it gets better. What do the Rockies need to get back to the playoffs? They clearly need their big three to be a big three. Herman Marquez, they need John Gray, and they need you know, Kyle Freeland to bounce back. The NFL CBA controversy. You know, the NFL is so concerned with head injuries and the, and the well-being of their players that they're going to add now a 17th game. And comedian Adam Caton Holland. This is the Drew Goodman Podcast with Julie Brownman. This is our second show at the Maven. Welcome to the Drew Goodman Podcast with Julie Brownman. We are at the Maven, which is at 19th and Wazee. One more time. This is a fabulous place. If you haven't been down here, it's the Dairy Block inside the Milk Market, the official hotel of the Colorado Rockies. We have a live studio audience. If you guys want to make yourselves heard. I mean, that's just cool, right? It's different than when we're usually in my bedroom. 15, we don't get that. 1,500 people can make a lot of noise, like I, I said know, last time. I know. Yeah. We're super excited about the show. Obviously, we're going to talk about, gosh, I mean, you know we're going to hit the ugh, coronavirus, coronavirus in sports, what's going on at spring training. Adam Caton Holland will be with us during the podcast, a local and nationally known comedian. Extremely excited about that. So... Let's yeah, kick it's, it off. Yeah. it's going to be a blast. And uh, a little bit later on, we're going to talk to Jerry, who's the uh, who's the GM of the Maven. For me, I'm into vibe, and when you walk in, just a cool vibe, and and it's a happening place uh, all year round. So we're excited to be at the Maven again. And um, yeah, the coronavirus. It, you know, sports is such a wonderful thing because it provides escapism from quote unquote real life. And unfortunately, because of, you know, the whole world has been caught up in this, if you will, uh, it it is now filtered significantly into sports. And as we tape on a Wednesday night, we're seeing that that Golden State's going to play in front of an empty arena. I just got a thing on my phone that right before tip, the the Utah-Oklahoma City Thunder game was canceled. Literally, the players are out on the floor. The arena's full. And they said, due to unforeseen circumstances, they did not elaborate as to why it, it was canceled. Um, there well, are, and also March Madness. March Every, Madness. The tournament yeah. was, it'll be, there will be no fans. Right. So um, that, that, to me, is a huge deal. Yeah, it, yeah. it is a huge deal. And it's, um, uh, the Ivy League has canceled all spring sports. I have a son who plays college baseball. He's worried about losing the college baseball season. So being the broadcaster for the Rockies, you know, now it's like, well, what's going on in Major League Baseball? As you mentioned, a gentleman in the audience in Seattle, they don't want public gatherings of more than 250 people. So what they're going to do is they're going to look at places that other venues where the virus is not as rampant to go there when that team is away or go back to the spring training in Arizona. So also the Giants said the same thing. Because they're in California and it's over a thousand. So it's even though I know we had this conversation like sports is supposed to be the escape. It is so saturated in sports now that you kind of have to talk about it. Yeah. And, and clearly from all medical people, this is going to be worse before it gets better. Hopefully, you know, it starts getting better in, in the near term, clearly. Uh, but it's going to affect every 
thing we do in our daily lives and sports is you know is is a big part of that We'll see if it can t- where there's app, you know, is there going to be cancellations or are there going to be empty arenas and broadcasts of games? I mean, will the Rockies start the season in the first 10 games or in front of empty, you know, empty stadiums, but people can stay at home and, and watch on television? You know, we'll, we'll find out as we go along, but it's going to change on a day to day basis. And the, and the thing is, is nobody, whether it's a school district, whether it's a business, whether it's a professional league, whether it's a, a college conference, Nobody wants to be that outlier that says, you know what, this is a bit of an overreaction. We're going to stay the course and and pretend things are normal. And then all of a sudden, if there is a more significant outbreak at said university or said uh, business, that sort of thing, you know, they they are not going to look good. So are you nervous? Am about I, about with the Rockies and that there's a, there's cancellations for Major League Baseball right now. Major League Baseball reportedly they don't they don't want to cancel any games. They just want to move teams around. Mm-hmm. But every day it's something bigger. So yeah. do you go. It's a fluid situation. I mean, yeah. to sit here and, and try to predict what'll be happen what what'll happen is kind of foolish. I mean. Uh, don't play a doctor. Have no idea. I'm not. You know. I. I don't think the experts truly know until this thing continues to unfold and they continue to get data back, not only uh, domestically but internationally. Would it make you not want, want want to watch a game if you knew there was nobody in the stands? That's a different feel. And somebody pointed out uh, earlier that do you remember the game in Baltimore, the baseball game? There were some riots in Baltimore. And they actually played a game a couple of years ago where no one was there. It was so strange for the players, clearly. Mm-hmm. And the adrenaline has to be different. If you are broadcasting that, it would be bizarre. It would be weird. You're used to, even when you go to some places that don't draw well, you know, when you're in Miami, there, there aren't a lot of folks in the stadium, and it has a different feel to it. But empty, I mean, completely empty. It I think would, that'd be would, weird for a viewer, would, too. It would be strange. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. So we're going we're gonna to turn the page a little bit on this because it is so fluid, right? Everything could be different tomorrow. Yeah. I, I want to point something out, and I want to give credit to Archie Bradley of the Arizona Diamondbacks. You know, there were, you know, I'm sure a lot of players initially when they when they were in the clubhouse, when they, they announced that the clubhouse would be closed to um, everybody other than players or essential uh, team personnel. The media cl- would not be allowed into to any clubhouse in Major League Baseball. The NHL has done the same thing. You know, a lot of players would say, "Yo, good, I don't have to talk to the media." I thought Archie Bradley had a very mature response. He said, "This isn't good." He said, "Whether you like sometimes what a say a sports writer um, comes out with in a column or not, publicity in our game." is huge. It's important. It, it it drives the train. It keeps people like we have a, you know, a bunch of people out here listening to our podcast. Many are baseball fans, and I'm sure many are Rockies fans. And to be able to read about the sport, read about their team is really important. And and obviously to be on radio and to be on television is of paramount importance. And I think anybody that understands as a player the economic equation of why they make the kind of money they do gets that. And I give Archie Bradley a lot of a lot of credit for rather than just going, hey, yeah, we don't have to deal with the media for for a couple of weeks for the rest of spring training. He realizes this that isn't good. Right. And for anybody, I think that's concerned that games are going to be canceled. Let's remember the TV revenue is a lot of money. 
So let's you may there may not be there may not be people in the stands, but there's still going to be games broadcast. Yeah, I mean, you would think, Julie. I mean, because if you're an owner, yeah, it's horrible to lose a gate. You know, instead right. of having thirty five or you know here at Coors Field, if, if opening day were compromised and you lose fifty thousand people at Coors Field. Uh, you know, you don't want to lose, as you said, television revenue on top of that. Yep. So we're going to turn the page on that. You were just at spring training, right? I was. Okay. So you feel like we're just talking about, you feel like recently we just saw the opening day lineup. Were there changes in the opening day lineup from what you saw and then what we saw at the end of last season? You kind of get a feel sometimes when a manager rolls out the lineup he thinks is is going to be his opening day lineup. And interestingly, today, again, this, as we tape, is Wednesday. I, I thought Buddy wrote down what he thought was going to be his opening day lineup. I'm guessing right now. I didn't okay. talk to Buddy today. But um, the the change of note features David Dahl at the top of the lineup and Charlie Blackman, who primarily the last what five six years has been the leadoff hitter though he did hit in the three or four hole a couple of you know more than a couple of times last year he he was third in the lineup today with nolan batting fourth story batting second story batted second quite a bit um last year so the the significant change would be david Dahl up top david Dahl runs better than charlie now and so I, I think that he likes that dynamic of, of a speed guy that Charlie was a couple of years ago, but he doesn't. Again, he doesn't run anymore. I think he, he I think he he's messed around with that quite a bit this spring, and I think he likes it. Yeah, I just think Charlie Blackman has set records being a leadoff guy, right? Charlie Blackman mm-hmm. has achieved great success. So part of me wonders why do you mess with something that works when a lot didn't work? Yeah, I, I guess the other. You're right. Don't disagree with you. Boom. Now I'm going to disagree with you <laughs> okay? because it's not disagreeing with you. I just think Charlie is such a good offensive player that you could stick him in a number of places and it's going to work. I mean, he hit 30 plus home runs last year and we know he drove in over 100 in the leadoff spots at a major league record a couple of years ago. But if he's primarily batting third in your lineup mm-hmm. or even if it's fourth some days, Nolan's third, whatever, whatever that deal is he has more of a chance to hit a three-run homer than a solo homer and and, and drive in 100-plus again because he's in the middle of the order. Um, so, listen, the Rockies had four all-stars as position players last year, but if you look at some of the advanced metrics, the Rockies' offense had a subpar year. I mean, if you're into WRC+, plus, which is uh, weighted runs created, but it's valued, I know you that stuff hurts nose. my brain. I know. It hurts my brain, too. Uh, my son Jacob's in the audience. He's going to critique me if I get this wrong. But it, it, it is it, – whenever you see a plus, the ballpark factors are taken into account. And the Rockies had, believe it or not, one of the poorer offenses in baseball overall despite having four position player uh, all-stars in the lineup. So I do think that Buddy is is trying to mix and match a little bit, and we'll see, you know, obviously we'll see eventually how that pays off. And I think we should all be happy that Kyle Freeland, after having, what, back spasms, came back and he had to leave the game early, came back and had a nice outing. Again, we're taping this on a Wednesday. You never know what's going to happen in a couple days, but we can all take kind of a sigh of relief that Kyle Freeland looks good. I know we talk about him incessantly, right, about if the Rockies are going to do well, it's got to be about Kyle but it looks like he's on the right track. Yeah, and, and it, it may seem unfair, but if you if you look at 
the fall off from winning 91 wins to being in the low 70s a year ago. And, and Kyle would embrace this. He knows that he pitched very poorly last year. It's not all on Kyle Freeland, but they clearly need their big three to be a big three. Herman Marquez, they need John Gray, and they need you know Kyle Freeland to bounce back. I've said this before on the podcast. I've said it in other public venues that it's unfair to ex- expect that Kyle Freeland is going to have the ERA and the kind of season he did two years ago. That may ultimately be his career season, but certainly he is a whole heck of a lot better than having a six-plus ERA. So if, if he can be a, a really good middle-of-the-rotation guy, the Rockies are clearly going to be much better than they were um, a year ago. And and to your point, he, he has pitched well um, you know, he, he was pitching well the day he got back spasms since he came back. You know, he's pitched well. Uh, Marquez has pitched well. Sensatella's pitched well. After a rough start, Chichi Gonzalez has pitched well. You love that guy. Let's rewind Chichi's to Sensatella. Guy. Okay. Yeah. Let's rewind to him because he kind of, he gets lost a bit in the mix because I think there were higher expectations than maybe what we saw. Is he, tell me what you think about him and his place in the rotation and can he get back to what we wanted him to be he's what he's what i call a hard hard guy i mean he throws he throws pretty hard you know 94 95 with his fastball his slider's just okay he needs something it's like he's like freeland he needs something that has a greater um differential from a velocity standpoint so so guys stay off of you know, it's just velocity, and the slider is only about three or four miles an hour less than his fastball. Um, Sensatella is throwing a little more of a curveball. Um, he couldn't throw his changeup last year because he had, you know, this was never publicized, but on his uh, ring finger, which really comes into play the way most guys throw their changeup, circle changeup, he had, you know, numbness in a joint there, so it it really affected. Did you know that to, as you were broadcasting the games? Um, I'm trying to remember if, if we if we knew he had some sort of issue with that. Mm-hmm. But he's a tough guy. He's made of the right stuff, and he's had success before. So he is a big part of that that equation when you start to look in the Rockies rebound from from last year. It's not just Kyle Freeland. It is it is guys like Antonio Senzatella as well. Do you think that this is a the year for Brian for Ryan McMahon. I mean, he's got very tough shoes to follow, but I think he's got. I mean, he's got some of the right stuff, right? And again, he's not DJ LeMahieu, and I don't know if he will ever be. But can he get close to being that guy at second? I think all Rockies fans last year would go, boy, wouldn't we look good if, because Daniel Murphy obviously didn't have a great year. I think a lot of it was affected by breaking his finger in the second game of the year in, in Miami. And he, you know, he came back and he tried to play through it, but he wasn't the same Daniel Murphy we've seen in the past. If Ryan McMahon was at first and DJ LeMahieu, that's what all Rockies fans would have liked last year, you know, because DJ had an MVP caliber year with the Yankees in the American right. League. DJ's gone. DJ is the is the best second baseman in the history of the Rockies. He's an all time Rocky. They missed him without question. They missed his toughness. They missed his, his his bat. They missed his glove. But he's gone. That's reality. Ryan McMahon athletically is tremendous. Ryan McMahon can be a plus defender at second. 
I think he'd be eventually he's not nobody's going to be Nolan, and we hope Nolan's here for a long period of time. And everything that occurred this winter, we look back. Go, oh, remember when that big the big story was Nolan and he was going to get traded, et cetera. And you know, hopefully that never happens, right? But Ryan McMahon's a tremendous athlete. He had twenty four home runs last year, and he and he struck out a little more than a third of the time. He he reminds me of a young Trevor story. Trevor's still young, where he's got to cut down on the strikeout rate. He's got to be able to get to what we call plus fastballs above 93 miles an hour. He struggled with that. He's much shorter to the baseball this spring. I know we're getting all technical, but he has revamped his swing. And last year, again, 24 home runs. He's still figuring it out. He has a chance to be the next Rockies position player star. And I don't think that is embellishment. I don't think that is looking at it with you know purple sunglasses on. He really has a chance to be an outstanding two-way player, you know, be a 280 kind of hitter with 30 plus home runs every year. Do you make predictions on where the Rockies are going to finish in the division? I haven't yet. You haven't asked me that yet. Drew, where do you think the Rockies are going to finish in the division? Purple sunglasses. What do I got? Let's do some purple sunglasses and then we'll take them off Mm -hmm. and see if the view looks different. Well, you know, going back to things we talked about a lot, you have to, you always have every team, even the Dodgers, right? Every team has questions going into the season. Number one, every team will say you need good health with your key players. That's obvious. Then you're going to have some questions that you're going to have a multitude of questions. The more that you end end up answering in a positive way come mid-July, early August, the better you're going to be. Now, when we talk about Senzatella having a chance, you know, to be really solid or Chichi Gonzalez or Freeland bouncing back and being closer to the guy we saw two years ago. You know, again, when, when we're doing this podcast in, in mid-July around the All-Star break, we'll ask, ask those questions. And if more of them we answer affirmatively, then I think they're a pretty darn good team. If we're like, oh, man, this guy got hurt and this guy fell off the train tracks again, then, then they probably it's going to be more of an uphill climb. The Dodgers are the most talented team in the division. There's no denying that. I think the the Diamondbacks have gotten better. San Diego has not only one of the top farm systems, if not the top farm system in baseball, they have a tremendous young team. I think they've gotten better. They're going to have Tatis barring another injury for, for a full season. So you can be better, but you're playing tough teams inside your division. So it's, yeah, it's, it, it's a, it's a tall order to win the division. I, I'm hopeful and, optimistic that they can hang in the hunt the whole way and i i think if things go really well they have a chance at a wild card i i just think the dodgers right now um they're elite i think they're the best team on paper in the national league take them off mm-hmm. and go well I, listen i mean if if some of those things we just talked about are yep. not answered positively and, and they don't have great pitching depth in the starting rotation and they need the bullpen clearly to improve from a year ago, which I think it will. Mm-hmm. I think some some names are going to step forward, like Jairo Diaz and Carlos Estevez. I think Scott Ober continues to grow. Uh, they'll be better down there. But uh, there's not tremendous depth. So you need the names we're all familiar with to be good. The way Davis is. The way Jake Davis is. Yeah, Jake McGee's got to be the better. 
This right. Is we, well, we talked on. about Brian yeah. Shaw. Brian Shaw's in an interesting position because if he makes 40 appearances in a Rockies <laughs> uniform and he has a rubber arm, I mean, even though he hasn't pitched well as a Rocky, I mean, he takes the baseball. He'd take it every every day. He did that in Cleveland where he had five, you know, terrific years. Uh, but if he makes 40-plus appearances, his deal for next year, I think at $9 million, kicks in. And, you know, my guess I don't sit on the third floor of the Rockies. My guess is the Rockies probably, based on the returns of the last couple of years, don't want to pay him $9 million next year. Ready for the podcast to get funny? Uh, it hasn't been hysterical yet. <laughs> no. really. When we come back, we are going to talk to nationally known, of course, we know him in Denver, comedian Adam Caton Holland. We are so excited to have him on. We'll talk to him shortly, right after this break. But first, we are going to tell you about Boyer's Coffee. Boyer's Coffee is out here. Everybody in the audience, the people out here. enjoying Boyer's Coffee. They're obviously one of our sponsors here on the podcast. They are a Colorado company, which we love to support. I get to go over there all the time. They're at 7295 Washington Street. They have online stores, boyerscoffee.com. You can find them at Safeway. You can find them at King Supers. You can find them wherever you find your favorite coffee. All right. Well, we're excited. You know, we've been trying to work this out with Adam for for. A couple of months, and you have a busy schedule, and we're yeah. and we're thrilled that you're uh, you're back in town. You're just in Michi- Michigan. You're in Grand Rapids, just in Grand Rapids, Michigan, at uh, Gilda's Laugh Fest. It's a great great festival at, uh, in honor of Gilda Radner, and it was, it was a good time. I was going to say, is that Gilda Radner? Yeah, yeah. It's a it's a cancer fundraising right. festival. It's like year ten, but. You know, Jim Gaffigan was there, and uh, it was a very, very fun festival. So the natural question with a comedian, real quick, mm-hmm. is what? before we get into your background, when did you think you were funny? When did you realize you were funny? And when did you go, hey, I got it. Instead of going to law school, med school, or business school, or whatever, I'm going to be a stand-up yeah, comedian, right. mom and dad. <laughs> Smash cut to weeping from the parents. Right. Um, no, I never was one of those like guys early on. Like you know, I saw a late night set and thought, "That's me. I got to do it." I came to the game very late. Uh, when, when I was 24, after a lifetime of writing funny things and thinking I'm a behind-the-scenes funny guy, I met a comedian at a bar. He's now my best friend. We've done all sorts of stuff together. But I just had never met a comedian in real life. I thought it was guys that existed on TV up against a brick wall and a blazer, and it just demystified it. So he's like, oh, you should go to an open mic. So I went to an open mic at the Lion's Lair on Colfax in 2004. I don't know if you guys have ever been to comedy. Sure, great, great dive bar, great dive bar, but I don't know if you've ever gone to a comedy open mic. They're the saddest thing on the planet. And, you know, my, that guy who told me to go was there, and he got up and he was funny. A couple other people were marginally funny. And then 15 of the saddest, most delusional, non-funny people you've ever seen in your life. And I was just, immediately I go, I'm funnier than that. I've never done this before, I'm funnier than that, I guarantee it. And I went home and wrote jokes and I came back and that was 16 years ago, I haven't stopped. So yeah, just it was a very random thing that the light turned on for me. I've never stopped doing it. So I always wonder, because I go to those sad open mic nights, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, if, you're, if you're nihilistic, it's kind of fun <laughs> in a way. Just sit in the back and watch that happen. Tuesday night at the Comedy Works. Sure, is, sure. Yeah, and some, it's like the first time that they've been on there. Sometimes it's the second time. And I just think it's so fucking 
Ballsy. Yeah, yeah that's, that's a podcast. That, that's number 104. Yeah. <laughs> it is so, it takes so much guts to do that. But were you, I would be so nervous. It, were you nervous? It's where self confidence meets self delusion. <laughs> so you're kind of just like, I've got what it takes. And, but also, you, you know, I'm glad I did it when I was 24 I started. Uh-huh. I'm almost 40 now. I would never do it. I have too much self-pride, but it's just the, the arrogance of youth. I'm like, yeah, I can do this. And it turned out being a good thing for me. But, yeah, I mean, it's, it is brave because it's a lot of people's worst fear. Uh-huh. But for me, I just see so many people that are terrible at it. I don't. I assign no nobility to this crap. I love that. So what <laughs> happens, though, when you look out and you're like, oh, my God, they didn't think that was funny. Oh yeah. Well, that's that's what I like about it. You know, it's dead honest. Yeah. It's dead honest, and you could write a joke, and you you think, oh, they didn't laugh because it's too smart for them, or it's <laughs> over their head, or whatever you want. But I, I have a rule: I try it three times, and if it fails three times, it's like you just you swung and you missed. Yeah. On this one, and your batting average gets better over the years. You kind of have an idea of like this will work eventually. But yeah, that's a cold type of loneliness when that when it doesn't work at all. There's tricks, but yeah. There is. Okay. You know what? I gotta tell you a um, I gotta tell you a story. Yeah. So I was on spring break, 1984. So I was 21, and we were in LA. Your son is just. Yeah, he's gonna like this there. one. <laughs> You're going to like this one. I was trying to look up real quick on my phone because I'm doing a blank, but you'll know who this was. <laughs> sure. So we, we would go to the comedy shop every night in yeah. L.A., and you know, it was, and it was funny, and obviously we're, we're pounding beers, and, we're, and, and each guy's coming up, and there's one guy who comes up. This is 1984, all right? Okay. okay. Everybody's going to remember this. And, and he's really loud, and he's like eating the mic half the time, and uh, he's wearing a trench coat. Oh, I know. Okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... I raised my hand and he goes, what the fuck do you want? And I said, do me a favor, please. I said, can you move the mic away from your mouth a little bit? Because you're giving me a headache. I'm 21. I'm a wise ass. I didn't, you know, that's where he got it from, by the way. So um, he goes, he goes, I'm giving you a headache, slams the mic on the floor, starts. He goes, this is what I'm going to do to you in the alley. He starts like, you know. Wow. Pretending like he's wow. jumping on it. You know who it was? Sam, 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 Sam. It was Sam Kennison. Because, <laughs> like, I didn't know who the hell he was. But, like, three months later, we're watching an HBO special. Sure. He, had, he had, like, become really big. And we're sitting there, probably drunk, too, in our, in our living room in, our, in college. And I'm like, that's the dude who was in, the, in L.A. That's and it was my ass. Yeah. Not, Sam, not, not, that didn't Sam happen. Sam Kinnison. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that guy is a legend. He, he was a legend. Unfortunately, tragically died in a, yeah. in a car accident. But um, do you constantly walk around going, that's funny, or I can make a joke out of that, or is this the middle of the night stuff? Is this constant? My friends and I, I, I have two friends that we had a TV show called Those Who Can't With, and we're all from Denver. We run, a, we run a monthly show, and we bring in our buddies from out of town. We have a sponsor. We fly them in. So it's always a good show. But our rule is the three of us, 10 new minutes every month. And that's harder than it sounds. So it makes you write every single month. I'm glad I have that show because otherwise you get lazy and you're like, oh, I'll just play the hits. But when you have this sort of rule of like 10 minutes every month, you just start mo- noticing more stuff real fast. Yeah. It's like a deadline. You got to get that stuff out there. But I take notes in my phone and, you know, whatever. Just kind of, I don't, I find that if I sit down and try to write, it's too forced. Right. It has to come naturally to me. And I, 
jot down. That could be funny and something that I go right off of that. You could, have you ever tried to do a whole spiel? Because I did this a little bit with Julie. One day I came in and, and we've all been in this situation where you're, um, you, you're on the phone with some company and it takes you 10 minutes to get to a human being because you have to go through, you know, pushing 18 different numbers till you can finally maybe get a human being. Then you're on hold with the worst music in the history of music. And then you're speaking to somebody that, you know, English is probably a second language. Oh yeah, and there, there's a lot of there's a lot of material there. Sure, I just had a ten dollar late fee waived by Comcast today. Spent thirty minutes, but I got to the bottom of that one. Yeah, you did. Uh, that's a win. That's a win for Kate and Holland right there. Uh, that's right. <laughs> Neglected my one year old for thirty minutes to get that ten dollars taken off, but hey, he's bucks. not going to remember that. What <laughs> is um, some comics go for anything? They just. They sometimes you're just like, oh my gosh, they went there. Yeah, sure. Do you have lines? Do you go? I nope, I'm not going there. Uh, I you know that especially in the current era we're in in, in comedy, people always ask me like, is there are there things you can't joke about? And I always say you can joke about whatever you want as long as you've got an interesting approach or you've got some thoughtfulness to it or you're saying something that's worth saying. If you're just trying to shock for shock value's sake, then you're a poor comedian. So I, there's nowhere I won't go, but I got to have a good reason for going there. If it's going to potentially upset people or enrage, it's like, well, why would I do that unless I really have a unique take on this that I feel people need to hear? So you're not Andrew Dice Clay? No, no, I'm not Andrew Dice Clay. So you you do love sports, and that's one exactly. of the re- that's one of the reasons you've been kind enough to uh, to join us. Take us back, because we all I shouldn't say we all, but a lot of us. Um, you know, a lot of times father, son, father, daughter, sure. maybe it's mother, son, I know, or mother, daughter, but have that moment of throwing the ball, perhaps, yes, or yes. that first baseball moment. And you have one. Yeah, my dad's a big baseball guy, like I'm sure a lot of our dads were. And, you know, we played growing up, and he was a coach of mine. When I was on this middle school team, uh, this school went to ninth grade. And so the team was seventh to ninth grade, and I was a seventh grader, and I made the ninth grade team. I was very excited, and they had a father-son baseball game, and my dad played college baseball. I was like, yeah, I'll come to your baseball game. And I was like, well, there's this guy, Jason. He throws like 75 miles an hour, Dad. I don't know. And my dad had played in years, and he's like, all right, all right. I'll, I'll come to your little game. And so it's my dad's first at bat. And this dude was fierce. He's you know a freshman. He's throwing 75 at a school that's got seventh and eighth graders who are terrified of this guy. And uh, my dad gets up there and hits this ball so There were no fences. So it was just center fielder immediately turns around and is sprinting to get this ball. And my dad, I don't know why he didn't take his time because it was like a King Kong hit. He could have just tried around the bases, but I think he was fired up. So he just tore ass out of out of home plate, started sprinting around the bases and coming around second, he just like pulled up lane, pulled his hamstring <laughs> in the back of his leg and had to like limp into third base. And it was the longest triple any of us had ever seen in our entire life. They held him at third, but it was really funny because a couple of years ago, uh, my dad's a Rockies fan, lifetime season ticket holder, we got him, uh, we bought him tickets to the fantasy camp. And we're like, you need to go with this. This is your thing. And so my dad, God bless him, a couple weeks out, he's just decided that he needed to train for this. And I was like, Dad, I've seen the pictures. They got like a 90-year-old dude that comes every year. He'll be fine. He's like, I'm going to train. So he's took it upon himself to start doing sprints to get ready for Rockies fans again and towards hamstring. <laughs> so he didn't go. So we haven't seen I was going to say, have I met your dad? Because I go over here. Because he's too zealous oh, about baseball. 
Well, well I'll tell you what, when you go home later tonight, or we give him a call and say, boy, he really kicked Johnny's ass, that big time ninth grader. Yeah, so, right. Match point, Jason. Yeah. <laughs> so, Chris and I went to go see uh, one of your shows, and I don't want to say the punchline, but you had a baseball story in it. Did I? I don't want to say it on the mic. Oh, yeah, yeah. You want me to say it? I do. You I want, want you to tell the, the story, joke? please. All right. Uh, it's a very stupid joke, so you guys have to lower your level of intelligence right now. <laughs> we, we didn't bring you here to read the news. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want my hot takes on spring training, everybody? Uh, so I, I go, I don't know, man. I, I feel like things were simpler when I was a kid. When I was a kid, we lived by one rule, one rule only. Whoever smelled it, dealt it. That was it. That was it. And we respected that rule. Then I got older, things got more complicated. We learned that whoever denied it, supplied it. Flew <laughs> directly in the face of whoever smelled it, dealt it. Then in, uh, then in eighth grade, I shit my pants during a baseball game. Suddenly, the origin of farts didn't seem all that important to me anymore. A more pressing concern was figuring out how to shed the nickname Turd Basement before I got to high school. <laughs> That's funny. That's the joke. That's, the joke. That, is. that is. That's good. Pretty funny stuff, guys. That is good. Very intelligent humor. And I don't want to know if that's true or not. <laughs> so what do you have coming up? You're uh, you're involved in a lot of stuff. I read your book, by the way, which was fabulous. And you, a lot of people have ghostwriters. Well, you two are authors. I mean, yeah, there's I a special little group. Yeah. Hey, hey, hey Adam, real quick. Ask, <laughs> ask Julie about Chapter 6 in my book. Hey, Julie, question for you. What's up with chapter six of Drew's book? I haven't read the book, but I read your book. <laughs> oh, no. Well, I do. Will you this tell me about the book? I'm here to facilitate awkward moments between hosts on this is every this is, this is every week. This comes up. I get to talk to you about the book. Yeah. Um, the book was fabulous, nice, by the way. Nice comeback. Tell, tell us some other stuff that you schedule-wise and um, TV-wise. Yeah, so I, I'm doing this one-man show based off the book, and I just got into the Edinburgh Fringe Festival which is a big deal in my field. Uh, I've never been to Scotland, and it's a month. You go there for a month, and you do your show every single day. Wow. And uh, it kind of opens you up to international markets, and it'll be great. I'm really excited to do that. And, yeah, I'm just touring, and my buddies and I started a podcast called The Grolic Saves the World, which is, uh, if you're a fan of my TV show, those who can't, it's the same guys that invented it, and we're having a, having a ball. Tell, tell us about the vinyl. I, I alluded to it earlier. Yeah. So tell so, us a little so bit about like that. So current things now, you, there's nobody buys CDs. Everybody just downloads stuff. And I've always grown up liking to hold and have things that I collect. So this uh, having vinyl is, is a cool thing. And this record label called Saddle Creek, which is out of Omaha, Nebraska, uh, reached out to me. And they said, hey, we're fans. And if you ever want to do anything, let's let's do something. And I very selfishly was like, do you guys want to put out vinyl? And they said, yeah. And so they just put this album out. I, this is an album from a year ago I put out on Comedy Central, but they re-released it on this very cool, translucent yellow vinyl. And if you're a hipster nerd like me, it's very cool to have actual vinyl to play on your on your record player. Who were your influences? I mean, who, who when you, yeah, comedically, like who do you go, I can't wait to see that dude. He's always funny to me. I mean, the big guys, obviously, Carlin, Pryor, like, you can't do an interview without name-checking the gods. Right. But uh, more modern, like, Patton Oswalt is a huge comic that I love. Oh, he's uh, funny as hell. He's so funny. Yeah, who and is people he? people who don't know him, they're no, like, that, the voice know. of Ratatouille. He was the voice of Ratatouille. Everybody okay. knows that guy. But he was on King of Queens, and he's just a legendary comic. I think Zach Galifianakis is the funniest, and he doesn't do stand-up anymore because he doesn't need to. 
Um, but he drops into cool shows in LA and New York and does stuff. But I used to see him coming up. I was lucky enough to do a couple of shows with him early in New York, and, I, and you were just like, this dude's genius. I got I to gotta ask people out here because I'm 56, and we used to come in early in college on a Saturday night. You don't, Nobody goes in early on a Saturday night. We'd go back out after, but... We would come in early, this is before you could record stuff, etc., to watch Eddie Murphy Delirious. Anybody oh, else yeah, in the audience absolutely. watch Eddie Murphy Delirious? A lot of Did you see Saturday Night Live recently? It was awesome. It was so great. It was great. That opening monologue was just ridiculous. Just yeah. titans of comedy. Chris Rock there. Yeah. Tracy Morgan. It was, it was great, man. Last question for me, and this is maybe like a downer question. With the stuff with coronavirus, do you feel like... You should do that. You should not do that. that. Yeah, you got to. I mean, you're, you kind of address what's going on out the gates. You don't have to poke fun at it. Yeah, but you know, you just come out and wipe the microphone off before you start <laughs> go into it, and there you're addressing it. But I was actually thought of a joke. So it's like we're talking about coronavirus and baseball, and you know how sad, how sad it is to think about games without fans. But I was. I, I bet the Houston Astros are pretty happy for this new yes. <laughs> I bet they're happy. Like, I bet every presser they're like, hey, how about the coronavirus? We're all yeah, in together, right? Yeah. League versus coronavirus. Right, guys? Sure, Houston. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, exactly. That's a good point. That's that is awesome. Point. Well, nice thank narrative you. shift for the Houston Astros. Yeah. 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 Um, no, but thank you guys for having me on. This is very fun. What are you Will doing we... next Go Tuesday ahead. night? Do you want to come over to my condo? Yeah. This is a better podcast. Yeah, let's chat. I like yeah, it's it. a little more intimate gathering. I also shows. really enjoy hearing Insider Rocks from you. I've watched you for years, and it's nice to get the, the spring training perspective from Drew Goodman, so I'm happy to, to be here to hear it first. I appreciate that. And tell your old man that he's got to make uh, camp next January. I really will. He's, yeah. all, he's on the mend. He should right. go. He should go. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I just said don't don't train. Don't train. Exactly. Just go in as Yeah, is. just go in cold and put, <laughs> and put your hammy day too. At least you'll participate a little right, bit. Right, and then you can joke yeah. about it with the guys down there. Yeah. yeah. You're going to stick around, right, Adam? Yeah, I'll be around. Good deal. Adam's going Adam's gonna to stick around. That's awesome. Thanks, guys. Big round of applause for Adam. Yeah. Wait, wait, by the way, what's your next Denver appearance? Um, in an hour. <laughs> but uh, the Grawlix is the last Saturday of every month at the Bug Theater. My friends and I do it. So that's March 29th. Uh, Get, get on out there. And while, uh, while Adam repositions with his vinyl, I'll tell you about Ideal Home Loans. We tell you every, uh, every week about these folks. We love local businesses. Where's Coffee, Ideal Home Loans. They were started in 2001. And if you are in the market for um, you know, a new loan, if you're in the market to refinance, if you're consolidating debt, Give them a call, 303-867-7000, 303-867-7000. Brent Ivinson's team is on it. They're terrific. I just used them recently in the purchase of a new home. They've been the preferred mortgage provider of the Rockies the last several years. They have an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. I always say they don't just hand those things out. You have to earn it. They've done it over two decades. It's uh, Ideal Home Loans. We love them. They'll love you. 303-867-7000. 303-867-7000. All right. Well, Jerry joins us, who's the uh, general manager of the Maven Hotel. Jerry, we appreciate this. Your second time uh, joining us. We, we thank you for having us out and uh, providing us with this great venue. Thanks. I appreciate the opportunity to be a repeat offender here. So, yeah. Participant. So it's great. No, yeah. Thanks for the, the invite. You guys have a great tie to the Rockies. Um, you're, you're the official hotel of the Colorado Rockies. What does that entail? Well, it, 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 it's, it's a great opportunity just to partner with the Rockies, whether we're putting up uh, some of the teams 
not necessarily the teams, but maybe some of their brass that are coming in, uh, but working with them and uh, whether they're bringing people in from the farm system, other the business of baseball, if you would, uh, we get a chance to have stay with us here, which is a lot of fun. And they can be anonymous in the lobby. It's uh, wonderful because the, the, the activity that's going on out there, there's so much going on that people don't notice that Trevor Story just walked by you or any of the other players, uh, which is really cool. And the players enjoy it, too. They can kind of be anonymous for a little bit. At 19th and Wazi, so close to Coors Field, opening day is like right around the corner. I know this is where the, the place to be. Tell us some of the things that you guys are going to do for opening day. Sure. We've got some things coming up, that certainly in Kachina. Uh, the the menu's going on, the bar, the patio is open, but we'll have a DJ here in, in the room that we're in now. We'll open it up. We can open the doors up to the alley. Fingers crossed the weather's perfect, right? Or close enough. Uh, but we'll have bars out in the alley, entertainment going on throughout, food specials. And that's just kind of an all-day event to, to help celebrate and kick off opening day. Yeah, and it's a wonderful place um, to be af- before ball games and after ball games, whether it's, you know, obviously Friday, Saturday night, we understand, you know, you guys are rocking. But even during the week, it's a great place to gather and, and have a, you know, a pregame cocktail, have dinner afterward. The Dairy Block has so many great restaurants. And you know what? This is a perfect place for a staycation as well. Perfect, and we love that because it's uh, it's drive time now. A lot of people aren't flying. Hopefully, the people that are out listening to the podcast within uh, the drive area for us can make it to town. We've got some great specials running, uh, great rates, complimentary parking included in those things that we can get. Uh, we can call. We, it's the road trip package that we just launched this afternoon uh, to kind of accommodate some of the offset in, in air travel. But it, and you're right. There are so many things going on here. We've got some certificates for later uh, from Foraged uh, has the raw bar and their their cuisine. Blanchard's with their winery uh, is fantastic. And I think we've got some stuff going from Seven Grand, mm-hmm. the whiskey bar as well. So you don't need to go anyplace. Basically, you don't need to leave the <laughs> no. block to have a great uh, Denver no, experience, don't. which is what we like too. Yeah. I, I was just in a city, last thought, I was just in a city that shall remain nameless, and it was the weekend, and it was absolutely dead. Denver's not that way, and this is kind of the epicenter, um, you know, a block yeah. from the ballpark and, and with the dairy block and all you have going on. So congrats on that. Well, thanks so much. We love, we, you know, there's a great energy, and we want to continue that. So come on down, check out the Maven, the, the lobby, and all the things going on at Dairy Block. Good deal. Jerry, thanks. Thank you so very Thank much. You, Look forward to having you back. We would love it. Jerry Link, the GM here at the Maven. So, Drew, did you know that the NFL CBA, the players, it's in the players' hands. The owners have already approved it. They have until Saturday night to vote on it. Do you think, so basically the big deal with the NFL CBA is the owners propose it going to 17 games and a couple more playoff teams, which sounds really good on the surface, like more football, right? And more your team might be able to get in the playoffs. However, when you break it down, there are a lot of players from the NFL that want no part of it. Where star, do you wait star level players. Uh, D. Maurice Smith, who's the head of the Players Association, said, yeah, this is a fate to complete. They're going to get it done. And he's probably had to hedge his bet a little bit because some prominent players... Richard Sherman, J.J. Watt, to name a couple, are opposed to it. I've also heard a lot of former players are opposed to it because it will diminish in the you know some of the other elements of it. I mean, the most prominent piece of it is the 17th game, but some other elements of the um, proposal from the owners, one of them will diminish 
money that injured players that you know careers ended prematurely actually received. So uh, again, uh, there, there's a faction of retired players that are not happy with it um, either. What's interesting to me, and I and I'd love to hear Adam's take a little bit later because there's there, there's comedic material there. Is you know the NFL is so concerned with head injuries and the and the well-being of their players that they're going to add now a 17th game and sometimes more is not better and now as i like to say on the statue of liberty right bring me your tired your poor your 500 football teams and now you're in the party and that's why i really respect what major league baseball has where if you the reason they pour champagne and beer on their heads when they when they clinch a playoff spot in baseball it's hard to do. I always say this in the NBA. Yeah. You know when you're going, right? You're telling me most years, other side from this year because of the, all the all the injuries. Golden State knows they're going to the postseason. There are teams that know at the start of the year they're going to the postseason, right? But not so in baseball. The NFL, you're you're going to end up with eight and eight teams in, in the playoffs, and I don't think if you go eight and eight, you deserve to be in the postseason. Well, I think there's a lot of players that don't, even though they will get paid for it, they don't want the seventeenth game because by the end of the season, you're so banged up anyway. A seventeenth game, there's going to be guys that are going to lose their career on that seventeenth game, right? I think it's going to pass because if you think about the sixty percent of NFL players are basically at a at a minimum salary. These guys will get an immediate raise of a hundred thousand dollars. So the minimum salary right now is five hundred and ten thousand dollars. If it's put in front of you that you're going to get six hundred and ten thousand dollars, that's really hard to pass up. That's a that's a lot of money. Yeah, because most players, what's the average career last, what, like two and a half years, years or yeah. three years, something like that? So I can't like blame so, somebody for voting for that. No, I, I certainly I certainly understand that. But there is you know, a contradictory message at the very least being sent by the owners. So I wanted to talk about that because I wanted to ask you about, so we know about the NFL and NFL owners with Major League Baseball and when these kind of things come up and negotiations. And by the way, the NFL, the CBA has proposed uh, 10, 10 years. So that's a, another reason where you're like, I don't know if I want to get locked into this. Do negotiations seem to go better? Do they seem to be more fair? Is the Major League Players Association more apt to negotiate with Major League Baseball? Is there a less contentious relationship? Well, there's a long history of, of contention between uh Major League, the you know the the Major League Players Association has always been the most powerful right. players union. Now they've had well over two decades of labor peace. I mean, you go back to the nineties. I mean, ninety four, the Great Montreal Expo team never got to you know fulfill perhaps their destiny uh, when when the second half of the season was postponed, no World Series, and it, and it leaked into nineteen ninety five when the Rockies went as a wild card for the first time. Uh, they've always been a strong union. The CBA is up after the 2021 season. They've already done some things. I mean, Major League Baseball, the owners added a 26th player this year. Now they've limited it in September. Instead of the whole 40-man roster, you can only expand to 28. There are going to be some issues there that, you know, I I think a lot of times it comes down to the 11th hour. I think that in this— Should we be nervous? Well, you're, you're always nervous. I think that, uh, and I hope that sobriety is in place on both sides because we're in a day and age 
where, you know, I'm looking at my son, his college buddies out there, that generation, and, and they're all athletes, but they, they don't want, they don't sit and watch games like the 65 year old guy and gal. They don't, they don't sit in front of their couch, even though they love sports and watch it. If you have a, a you know, a season that's interrupted by a month, two months, or whatever, they'll find something else to do. And you may not get back some of those people that have a passing interest. So, it, you know, it's a, it's a precarious slope to, to ski down if you reach a point where you're going, well, we're going to walk out. I mean, you always have to make threats, and I don't know if they're idle threats on both sides, but uh, it, it is a different environment in 2021. And I think without the... Honestly, the PDs and the home run race of whatever it was, 1998, Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire that kind of rejuvenated baseball, they were hurting. So hopefully they get, you know, they get it done. What a depressing way to end the podcast. I don't want you know, here, here's, I, I wanted to ask you a question because you were talking about football a moment okay. ago. How much have you watched of the XFL? We have our weekly Not question. one second. Not one second. I zipped by last weekend. I was... You know, and there's college basketball on. I'll stop at that. The XFL, I, I literally, I went through it like it was a cooking show. I went right past it. Do any of you guys watch XFL? There's material XFL? there, Adam. That's for real. Five minutes. Five minutes is the most. Yeah. And these are sports fans. Can you name three XFL players? You know I can't. Neither can I. And that's how we'll end this podcast. <laughs> that's podcast. Thank you to our big studio Thank audience you, tonight at the Maven. <laughs> See you next week. Next week, uh, we'll see you next week. We come yeah, from Scottsdale. Come over to my yeah. House, yeah. Thanks, everybody.